Hello and welcome to episode 31 of Hemispheric Views. Now you're probably wondering, where did Andrew and Jason go? Why is only Martin speaking to us? Well, the answer is simple. I got rid of them, and now the show is exactly the way that it always should have been. Just me. I'm only kidding. Never fear, both Andrew and Jason are alive and well, and they're still co-hosts on this show. We wouldn't have it any other way. The actual reason is that I'm here to mark the end of Arcadia June, our month-long gaming competition. Thank you to everyone who got involved and sent screenshots of their high scores in the public Discord. It was a lot of fun. We also thought that we'd get in touch with Raffaella, the developer of Arcadia, who lives in Italy, to see if he'd like to join us for an interview about the development of his app. Instead, his girlfriend Irene volunteered, and I do apologise if I'm butchering the Italian pronunciation of their names. What you're about to hear is a pre-recorded interview with Irene, where she discusses some of the creative process and the ideas that went into choosing and developing the vintage games that you've all come to know and love in Arcadia. We thank her for her involvement in this podcast episode and hope that you enjoy the interview as well. Let's cross to it now. He is the developer. I actually uh, had the idea for part of the games and uh, uh, Arcadia actually exists because I insisted on this app to, <laughs> to be on the store. Mm, he had uh, another project uh, which uh, didn't take off. And uh, this was a side project which we made with parts of the precedent, uh, with the, the app we, he made before this one. But Arcadia had a decent uh, success, success on uh, uh, the market, especially on... Uh, the American market and the Australian market. This is where it was uh, downloaded uh, the most. And we should make it clear as well that we didn't know you or Raffaella, either of you, before Arcadia June started. So this wasn't a premeditated approach. We started the competition and then um, I think I actually wrote a review on the uh, Arcadia site saying it's good Someone fun. Someone did. <laughs> and... Uh, and then you found our podcast and it went from there, which is wonderful. Couldn't think of a better way of connecting people. So what, what was it like to discover that suddenly this podcast had put your game up in lights? It was uh, really beautiful because we are just a couple. We are um, an indie developer and uh, me, I'm a secretary in, a, in an office. We, I don't develop anything, but uh, it's like a a kid. Arcadia is something you have to grow up uh, to feed and uh, every little uh, every little little light we have uh, we really like to meet people who liked uh, this app and uh, this is why we go to talk with everyone who has an idea has uh, something fun to do with us and with uh, this app. I don't know how to better explain it. It's just uh, beautiful. I think the, metaf- the metaphor of a child is really good. What does that timeline look like for you both? From, you know, was this a year ago you started? Was this a few months? What did the timeline look like? And did you, did you always think there would be this many games? Or did you start with a handful and then more and more just kind of kept being added to the mix. We started with a handful of games uh, which uh, were taken from the previous app, uh, which contained some mini games. 
like uh, Claw Machine mm. was in the in the app we did before, which was about pirates and uh, ships and something like that. There are uh, many games we added uh, from there. A Treasure Map too was uh, a game from that app. The timeline, well, uh, I think it was December 19, 2019. Actually, on our, uh, on our anniversary, yes, uh, 17 December <laughs> 2019, uh, which uh, is the day when Apple actually approved it. Mm-hmm. And uh, developing it was uh, a little longer than we took because this was a plan, a B plan. He developed it in around seven months oh, wow. or so. Mm. With a handful of games, uh, when when uh, it started, uh, it was with uh, six or ever eight games, and then uh, we added one almost one every month, and it's for free. The price started uh, a little lower because uh, the there were so few games, but uh, it's a set now. That's the price, uh, and uh, the games we we develop. Uh, I <laughs> think of the games, and he develops the <laughs> games. <laughs> We are thinking uh, about um, Arcadia on uh, Apple TV and actually is almost ready. And we have uh, a link uh, if you want to join us on the beta. Already tried it. Very happy so far. (laughs) (laughs) Just wanted to confirm that means that Arcadia exists on every single platform that Apple produce. So it's it's a full suite product, isn't it? And you purchase it and you get it. Not yet on Apple TV, but you will get it on Apple TV. Mm, it will be separated Separate. because, uh, yes, because uh, we thought about uh, uh, further developing on this app. Maybe in the future you play with uh, the second player on Apple TV. Nice. <laughs> Maybe. I'm happy to confirm that I also tried it as an iOS app on the Mac and I was very pleased. Uh, it works really well there. So I really have to compliment both of you on how you've come up with these ideas and made them so playable on all different devices because the thing that stands out is that from the watch all the way through to the TV, this I haven't really seen a game or set of games that translates so well across all different sizes. To play it with the crown through to you know a, a trackpad or a game controller or something is amazing. So... You've said that you're the ideas person for the games and he really develops them. All of these games are very nostalgic. They have that vintage feel. Can you talk about what inspired you to come up with these games or where these ideas come from? Yes, please. Because I, 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 sorry, right before you go, I have to say this is the most nostalgia being from the United States. This is like United States, 1980s, walk into an arcade (laughs) It just feels so perfect and I you just you nailed it. And I, I was curious just to add on to Martin's question, is this what arcades were like slash are like where you guys both live? And is that kind of where your ideas came from? Or did you did this come up from from just seeing this somewhere else? I um, love to play games and uh, I started when I was young and I started with uh, Solitaire on uh, Windows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yes. Uh, when you had to write in prompt to go to play, and I was about uh, five years old, six years old, and uh, from there uh, it t- it took off because uh, I always played something. Um, even when being a girl who plays games, it's not that easy 
because in my house my brother had uh, every console uh, he liked but when i asked for my first playstation uh, they <laughs> told me don't you like something to dress up better isn't it better and I, said, I want to play <laughs> and so i always had this passion i've been to many arcade um, places uh, and i always played on uh, I, I don't i don't know the word in english just a moment uh, i'm very curious i know i say Cabinato, uh, cabin, arcade cabin. Oh, oh cabinet. Coin operated. Yep. Coin operated. Yep. Yep. Yes. And I always play with those. Actually, my stepfather is um, nostalgic and he has a lot of those. Oh, like a collection. He has them. Oh, nice. The cabinets. That's, that's awesome. Yes. I think four, five from every decade. Wow. Wow. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so this was a big influence on your enjoyment, on your on your passion for the games. A lot. We take uh, some ideas from uh, from there. So was Raphael much of a games person, or he was just an app developer, and you came along and said, Raphael, I have to tell you, it's going to be games, and that's it. <laughs> um, no, he's a games person. He enjoys playing games. There's no doubt about it. We always play together. Earlier, Martin was talking about how it scales, and I, I just I don't want that to even get lost a little bit in the sense that not only as a game is that impressive, I would say in terms of every app that I've ever used on the platform, which at this point is basically every single one. Um, <laughs> if I were going to do a keynote as Apple right now, I would actually use this as an example of what is always being preached about the the power of the platform being able to scale from a you know Apple Watch to an Apple TV. That is always the the messaging and the branding that is there, but all too often that never actually happens. You may get it, generally it plays out like this. There's an iPhone app and then maybe you sort of get that app in other places, but it doesn't really mesh super well. But the fact that when when Natasha first told us about this game and she said she was playing it on her watch, and I was like, okay, first of all, games on a watch, that seems insane, but okay. But to actually play, you know, pick any one of the games on the watch, to the phone, to the iPad, to the Apple TV, it just scales beautifully from one to the next. It's the perfect example to me of, of what the platform has always promised, but yet we haven't really seen that take place. So I just I have to commend you both on that for really digging in and utilizing the platform for what its true intention is. I think this uh, is uh, all uh, for Raffaele. He is uh, the one that sticks to that pixel and says, this must go there and changes everything because of one pixel. He's really precise. Um, sometimes he delays uh, uh, up from, publi from being publicated because he has to have that one in that place, in every single uh, screen. I don't want to get too personal, but is he like this with arranging things at, at home? Does he have a very clean shelf? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> That sounds about right. Only on displays. Yeah. I'm always trampling on his shoes, which are <laughs> everywhere, like mine, okay, but he, he does the same. 
And so does that mean that every single element of this game has been developed by the two of you? Nothing has been outsourced to graphic designers or anything like that. You've done every little bit of code is your own. I mean, I'm I'm not a coder, so it amazes me. <laughs> he did everything from graphic to coding. Just uh, songs are uh, outsourced because uh, we don't compose. <laughs> Wow, that's truly incredible. This is like the indie developer showcase kind of story that I think a lot of people really enjoy. Yeah, I just back back on that nostalgia as well. I just need to have you understand me as a user or a player of the games. The first time I it's fast run, I think, which is the little the car one, the three lanes of traffic. Yeah. The fact that it's called fast run Obviously, it is an homage to OutRun. Now, OutRun, when I was a kid, was one of my favorite games. And having that, <laughs> I always remember driving and having the blonde girl you know, with, the, with the hair flowing until you wrecked the car. Um, it was just, just this wave of nostalgia just came over me. Like, I've never, I've seen other car racing games over the years, but that one, for some reason, it just brought back all the OutRun memories for me, just absolutely. I think I used to play it on my Commodore 64 or something like that, as well as the coin ops and things. So, yeah, thank you. I just want to say, like, just amazing. I have the same nostalgia with uh, Breakout, mm. Arkanoid, uh, Space Invaders. Those are the games that I played the most. Something is missing, but maybe... <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah i think the other thing you've nailed also is the interaction time with each game where if you were in a in an arcade physically you might be there for hours playing a given game but because it's on all these various devices you're able to just jump in play any one of them quickly in a couple of minutes and jump out and it but it doesn't feel cheap like a lot of the you know give us jet you know buy gems and play some garbage game for for five minutes it's just a nice hit of let me jump in try to get a high score and then get back out but it's just it's got a great balance in that respect i think that's what we thought when we decided about this app this app has to be something to play on your burst on your wrist on uh, your uh, Apple Watch, so it has to be fast because uh, you watch your, uh, you look at your watch, uh, you play, you have two minutes, you're waiting for your bus, uh, uh, you're in line, uh, and then uh, you go do your things and come back and play again. Yep. Or uh, <laughs> I don't know. Many of our users are, um, I think, about our age. Uh, uh, ranging from uh, 30 years old to um, 45 or 50 years old. And some are uh, even older, I think. Uh, we had someone who said, uh, uh, when I was a kid and now I am uh, 70 years old and I'm uh, playing <laughs> again the same games. I think that the most uh, of our users are parents now that want their kids to try their games when they were they were young and it's something uh, really beautiful to see really funny because uh, our parents did the same with us they said we we played with this try try this thing it's the same just in 
modern times. Yep. Yeah. It just it just shifts generations. I, me personally, I I I'm holding on to all the retro PS ones, N sixty fours, NESs, so that when I have children, they can play those, and then look at me like I'm insane that I would ever play something that is so primitive in their eyes compared to whatever they're going to be playing, I'm sure. Yeah, how, how do they look on your HD or 4K television, Jason? Probably not as good as Arcadia will. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Arcadia looks brilliant on a 4K TV. Everything old is new again. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. This was your first app, correct? You said that you, you, you all were working on something else, but then this kind of became the, the, the primary thing you're working on? Or is this a, an app in a line of other things that you all have worked on? This is the last app he did. He actually um, did uh, Breakout as a standalone mm. game, uh, as uh, one of his first uh, games. And with that, uh, he had uh, Uho, another game, um, and Breakout, uh, and, and another one which I can't remember right now, who had uh, a lot of, um, of success because uh, it was the first game on Apple Watch, the first ever, and it was uh, uh, on the store, on the front page, hmm. uh, and the first success was that nice. for wow. Rafael. So is he, is he a developer by trade? Is this his day-to-day -day work that he does, or is this just purely a side passion that, that he and you are both doing? It's his job. He mm. learned by himself when he was younger. Oh, wow. Yes, and he developed many apps after that. He also works with another society which makes 3D designs and he developed an app for a museum, actually two apps for a museum, for one was Ontario, museum in, in Ontario for a picture, and the other one is a museum at, uh, in Berlin, in Berlin, the most recent one, Toronto, Toronto. Hmm. It was the ah. first one in Toronto and the second one in uh, Berlin. Uh, so he wow. is always uh, developing something, he just likes it. It's very impressive being self-taught as well, that's, that, that's quite incredible. So what, what do the two of you make of the scores being achieved by our little group of players in Arcadia for Arcadia June? Are they, are they reasonable scores? Are you surprised? <laughs> Should they be ashamed? <laughs> no, no. Uh, we have uh, some real, real nerds because, uh, for example, in Fast Run, uh, Raffaele thought that uh, the highest uh, score you could achieve was... Uh, date number i think around uh, 68000 and then it came the first one he calculated it you can do this no more than this <laughs> and someone arrives with 69000 or 70000 and they're just how is it possible <laughs> we don't know how they can do these high scores and it's not cheating because we check it for it <laughs> The beauty of software and having users, they will always break your stuff somehow. Yes, really. Martin, I think you you can probably speak best to the ability to break this particular game, given that your your wife is somewhat of a passionate player. You're absolutely right. I have to say, I, I don't know if you saw from previous episodes, Irene, or, or listened to anything, but 
seriously, I came across this app. I thought it was very impressive. I saw that it was in, I think it's even in the app store section on the watch, like the starter kit or apps you should try mm. because obviously it is that good. And that's why we're talking about it today. And I suggested it to Natasha. And I always knew that my wife, Natasha, was into things like, you know, snake on the old Nokia phones and things like that. But she has just gone and run with it. And I don't think she really plays anything more than this. I haven't seen her play Snake, her all-time favorite game, for a long time. This is what she plays now. So, yeah, I, I, is she at the top of most of the leaderboard things? I haven't checked for a while. She's up there, and then Eric just came in recently with a bunch of new scores as well. I, I, I'm blown away with the amount of... of I, I mean, I, I half-jokingly said, you know, Arcadia June, just because it, this game came up in the show sporadically. I was like, wow, this is really good half jokingly said Arcadia June and holy hell if we haven't just had a barrage of screenshots coming at it I I I I don't regret it but it was like I just gave myself a new job of collecting scores <laughs> and creating a leaderboard cuz everybody's just been going nuts with it and I think it really hits that 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 special place for a lot of people um to 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 see something like this eric said he went camping and i think he basically went camping with a tent and that game and he came <laughs> back with a, with a i don't think he must have done anything else on that camping trip except play arcadia because he certainly had a lot of high scores yeah yeah i think i think he may have a problem uh, oh yeah and eric we're happy to support you uh, in any way you need in the public discord for sure and look i mean by the time this is out arcadia june will have been finished this one should be out Thursday, which I think is, what, beginning of July? Mm -hmm. So we'll have wrapped up by then. We will know the winners. It'll be all over the press, all over the news, I'm sure. <laughs> Irene, did you have something that you'd like to say to the listeners who've come on board to play Arcadia with us? There's a thing I'd like to say. Arcadia has two big milestones that we are proud of. One, the first is that it appeared... Uh, on Vuvu DC. Behind uh, um, people talking, there was uh, uh, Arcadia. And the second one is that Arcadia has been uh, pre-installed on, I think, every uh, Apple Watch in the stores. Oh, wow. If you uh, ever come across Arcadia in, uh, in a store, you can take a picture and we really, really like to gift you something just because we want to see Arcadia all over the world and have this memory. And we have, uh, obviously, for you, many codes uh, uh, for the new Arcadia on Apple TV, if you like it. Or if you want to try something else from Raffaele, he has, any, he has other games you can try on uh, your, uh, your iPhone and uh, your watch. Uh, for someone who's approaching uh, Arcadia for the first time, I say just go with it because uh, it's memory. You don't have to learn anything new. Just go with it. Play and it will be fun. Just time. The time passes by. One last question for me before we let you go. Between the two of you, or for both of you, what is your personal favorite games in Arcadia? I think he, his favorite one, I think it's Fast Run, while mm. mine is uh, Space Invader. Ah, gotcha. Classic. Okay. <laughs> Very nice. That was going to be my my last question is who's better, Irene? Who's be Of the two of you, who's the better player in general? <laughs> <laughs> For those listening, you can probably guess she put her hand up. We <laughs> believe it you. Be. It's all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
I'm the nerd one. Oh, you're the nerd one. <laughs> I think on behalf of the three of us, I mean, Jason and Andrew will pipe up. I just wanted to say a big thank you for taking the time to talk to us and join us on the show. It means a lot to have a developer come in, and you as well, obviously, as a team, come into our public Discord, speak with our listeners, uh, get to know people, see them as they share their scores. It means a lot to us as makers of this podcast. Agreed, guys? Mm. Absolutely. I mean, just meeting people from around the world outside of where we would normally see and meet other people, you know, developer or not, it's just been it's been so nice to speak with you today. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on and, and chatting with us and just kind of becoming part of the, you know, hemispheric family. So thank you so much. Grazie. Ooh. <laughs> Grazie a te. <laughs> Bonus points. Don't, don't push me further. That's, that's <laughs> no limit. <laughs> it was really a pleasure for me being here today. It's been fun talking. With, it's the first time I talk with someone from uh, outside Italy about the app uh, hmm. uh, developed by Raffaele. It's been funny. It's strange. It's new. It's something I never did. And I don't know if uh, something like this will ever happen again uh, to us. So thank you. I think everybody needs to go out to the App Store and give Arcadia five stars and a review because reviews are very important and um, tell everybody they know to buy a copy because money is the most <laughs> viable review possible. Yes. So purchase copies, everybody. <laughs> Thank you. Money is important, but feeling good about something you did is the best thing you can have. Patreon, 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 Patreon update. Patreon update time. So much stuff has been released in June for Patreon. Arguably too much, but... We've got multiple bonus episodes. We've got wallpapers and corrected wallpapers. So if you downloaded the wallpaper on day one, go back and download it again. One of the colors was off by one hex value. I apologize. That was my fault. It will never happen again. It will now match your glue on icon if you happen to have them overlapping. So check that out. So we're going into July, which means... Another great newsletter, more bonus episodes, maybe more wallpapers, maybe something else secret that we haven't told you about yet. So if you're not a Patreon subscriber, subscribe now or in June or in July. It doesn't matter. Once you subscribe, you get everything in the back catalog. We're not holding anything ransom here. So join now, get everything awesome, and uh, join the join the Discord and, and chat with us there as well. Where does one go? If one wanted to sign up, what website might they do that at? I would go to OnePrimePlus.com. That's OnePrimePlus.com. Part of the Hemispheric Views Network. We have a listener question from someone called Vincent. I think we know who he is. I think he's a, a no. listener. Yeah, Vincent. I'm not yeah. familiar with his work. Okay, well, look, we'll move on. Whoever this guy is. I'm familiar with his desk. Oh, his desk. Yes, his True. desk. Remember he, right. he, he had that ejector button. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. Got it. Now I've placed it in my mind's eye. All right. So Vincent with the ejector button on his desk has sent in a question about sleeping with whoa, eye devices. Whoa, personal <laughs> questions. I don't know if we're really prepared to go there, but geez, just right into the, the sleeping. Okay. So the question is, do any of us sleep? with our eye devices. I'm assuming that he doesn't mean in the bed or the platform upon which we sleep. It's about charging, right? I think this is a very controversial topic for a lot of people. 
and I'm assuming what he means is where are your devices when you go to sleep versus do you sleep with them? In other words, are they sitting next to the bed? Are they in a different room? For me personally, that means two things, Apple Watch as well as iPhone, iPads and all the rest, nowhere near your room, I don't think, generally. For me, the watch, I've always wanted to be like a a sleep watch person, but it just never works out. Every time I try it, there's this whole song and dance of now I've got to coordinate multiple charge times for when I wake up and oh, I got to put it on there, then get in the shower, then I can put the watch back on to make sure I get a stand minute, and then I got to take it back off to do the rest of my... No, I... You know what? I probably slept. Maybe I didn't. Knowing what it was isn't really going to help me with anything. So the one tracking metric that I just kind of don't get. You can track your sleep, and then I guess you could sort of maybe correlate that to other activities and try to change the other activities to affect your sleep but it's like if i wake up and it says hey you slept like crap it's like yeah okay like i can't do anything about that it's not really actionable information i guess for me so i've always wanted to be a sleep tracker person but it's just such a pain i don't bother so i don't wear a watch to bed i built a little nightstand with an integrated magsafe charger for my phone and a and an Apple Watch charger little stand thing. And I just put them both on there when I go to sleep. Everything is as silent as it can possibly be. And that's that. I go to bed, put them on there, wake up, take them off. Pretty simple. Nothing too crazy. I'm not a... I don't use them in the night or anything. But if for some reason something comes up, I want to know where that device is. If there were an emergency or something I want to know I just reach one foot to the left or whatever and grab my phone to call someone or to if someone's calling me an emergency or something I, to answer it there's no question as to where it's going to be so that's why I prefer to have it close by as a safety type thing but yeah yeah I'm very similar I have both devices next to me and my uh I'm quite uh, chuffed with this, I have to say. I'm using the exact same Belkin charging dock on my current iPhone 12 mini as what I bought to go with my iPhone 5. And I have used it with every single phone that I've had since or in between. So I used to plonk like an iPhone 7 Plus on that and worry that it was going to tip or snap or break. Never did such a thing happen. Confirmed planned obsolescence. Oh, wait. (laughs) It's worked for that. Oh, shoot. Sorry. It's the other way. Damn it, it actually works Damn. for friggin' ever. Got it. Okay. Yeah, it, it worked forever. So there's that. Plus, I have the little watch charging dock in the shape of this uh, classic Mac, which is great. But I'm, I'm the same as you, Jason. I kind of thought, oh, you know, should I put things in another room? Should I keep it here? Of course, the iPad and stuff is separate, but those two devices are there. I thought, do I want to be the guy who sleeps with the watch? I slept with my watch on as a kid, like a student for years, and then... I left that behind and I agree. It's like, oh, watch on, watch off what's going on. I think in Apple's ideal world, you would do essentially 
maybe one of two things. You would commit entirely to the Apple health tracking lifestyle where you would be doing your sleep data, you'd be tracking your mindful minutes, you'd be inputting your caffeine level and the amount of water that you drank and then you'd be doing a quick ECG and then you'd be monitoring that and then it would just be <laughs> stacking and then somehow your entire world would fall apart and you would actually cause more stress in your life than the mindfulness you tried to achieve through the data tracking. So there's that, or they just want you to buy multiple watches. So in your case, Jason, you would never have to worry about actually charging the watch while you're showering or something, because you would just go straight from the aluminium slash aluminum model in your sleep to the stainless steel fanciness for during the day. I, I, I did do that, actually. Oh, I have a confession. Of course <laughs> you do. Why am I not surprised at this point? I had, I had my regular watch, and then I had another watch called Sleepy Time Watch. And I would go back and forth between the two. It still sucked. I didn't like doing that either. It was still annoying because now you've got the two watches. Usually it would switch back and forth properly, but sometimes it didn't. It just was too much work. I do track all that other crap you talked about pretty reliably, give or take. But yeah, the sleep one is just no. Jason lives the quantified life. Andrew, do you sleep with your eye devices? I'm off and on sleeping with my watch. Way more than I used to. So with this new Series 4, I do it a lot more um, because the battery can take it. And I like the wake-up haptics. Um, the alarm is really useful. So I, that's really good for me. So I do sleep with it probably, probably 60% of the time. I would sleep with my, uh, my watch on. I'm a bit random with what is beside me on the bed. Some, I've got like a little charging station in another room. And sometimes everything ends up on that charging station. There's nothing on the bed next to me. Next to me. Sounds like you need air power. Mm. Oh, it'd be lovely. Other times there might be two iPhones and an iPad next to me on this little table and nothing fits, you know, and it's like, ah, you know, because I'm, I'm only reading in bed on the iPad or you know, reading RSS feeds or whatever nerdy thing and you just chuck it down. A phone may have got itself there. It's totally random. I'm not sleeping with it because I feel a compulsion or anything. It's just a way life plays out on a particular day. I forgot about the watch alarm. I do wear my watch any night where I have to actually wake up at a given time because the watch alarm little buzzy thing on your wrist is by far the most pleasant way to wake up in terms of alarms. There's nothing better than that. I'll sleep through any noise. You could have a truck start its engine next to me and then beep its air horn. I won't wake up. But a little tap tick on my wrist, yeah, I'm there. I use the watch as my alarm on my bedside table and I actually have the noise on and it's amazing. If you were to see me and how I wake up in the morning, I look absolutely out of it and groggy. I'm a mess. I'm not a morning person at all. How Jason gets up to do this, I have no idea at this time. But Me either. Because I'm determined to stay in bed and I want that thing to shut up, the amazing dexterity that I have with my index finger to go down on that tiny little side button across an arm's length away to shut it up. I'm amazed at what I can achieve when I want to keep sleeping. Seriously. In the morning, I'm just like, what's happening? Like, where am I? The world is a mystery to me and I don't know how to do anything. I don't know how to silence a phone or anything. I'm just like confused. I had the same radio alarm clock earlier in my life for about 15 years. I never worked that thing out for the morning. I knew how to work it. Nighttime, I knew what to do. I knew what all the buttons did. But come, you know, wake up time, I'm like, ah, snooze like what what do i do i'm not good in the morning it's like being born every day 
Media Corner. Media Corner. Killing me here. Um, all right, so this week for Media Corner, I said a little bit of a challenge. For those listeners who have been paying attention, you might know that on Apple Music, we went through the wonderful effort for all of you in making a playlist, a shared playlist called Hemispheric Tunes. The idea being that we would share some of our favorite songs from across the two different hemispheres, i.e. planet Earth, there are only two hemispheres. And I thought today we would go through and choose, ideally, one favorite (laughs) song from each of us. I know how many Jason added to this playlist, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, One favorite song, or I suppose I'll allow a couple of songs uh, that mean something to us. Do one of you two want to go first? I just want to say that if you want to find the playlist, I believe if you go to hemisphericviews.com slash tunes, it will give you the playlist. You can search directly in Apple Music for Hemispheric Views. It will also turn up. There you go. Two two ways to, to get there. I can go first with my song then. Go ahead. So my song is called War on Drugs by Bare Naked Ladies. I bought this on CD many, many years ago. It was ordered because I couldn't get it in Australia. So it was an international order, but it wasn't from Amazon. It was from like a CD shop, like an online CD shop. And I was trying to remember what it was, but I can't for the life of me think. I think it had a blue logo. If that helps anybody, if you can help me out and remind me what it was, that would be Was awesome. it like a chain, like a Tower Records kind of thing? or It was like an Amazon version. I think this was when Amazon was only books, virtually. And it was like the Amazon equivalent. Like cdwarehouse.net yep, or yep. something. Um, and it was kind of like the leader of its time anyway. Be that as it may, it no longer exists, obviously. But I was very excited to receive the CD album. And I listened to it many, many times in my first home that I'd bought. I have memories. You know how with music you can place where you are when you hear it again, you're like, it takes you back to a time and a place. And this song in particular takes me back to a time and a place when I was uh, cleaning the glass on our front window, front on the windows of our front door, for whatever reason that may be. And I had it turned up very loud on our then new energy speakers, still going on today. Anyway, that's the backstory. Planned obsolescence. Yes. So Hannah introduced me to Bare Naked Ladies. I didn't know much about them before that, but I got this CD. I really liked it. But there was something about this particular song, and I think it's the fact that it's, it has a, a high level of sadness and melancholy. It's linked to depression and, the, and mental health issues. And for some reason, all of that resonates with me. And, you know, that's why I love it. If you hear it, it's kind of, it's, it's kind of dreary, but there's something in it that I still kind of, it gives me hope. If you read the lyrics and try and make sense of it, it is very kind of like, oh, this terrible thing happened. And so it's not, a, it's not a joyous, uplifting song by any means. But there's just something about it that every time I hear it, I'm like, it feels comfortable. Never get tired of it. And it also has really great, just the instrumentals and stuff as well. If you don't listen to it for its lyrics, I think the instrumentals are really nice. It's enjoyable. War on drugs, bare naked ladies. Is it perhaps because it's dealing with stuff in the lyrics so bluntly and so openly it's almost cathartic yeah it could be could be Uh, and to be fair as well i'm not like a deep listener to lyrics a lot of the time like a lot of time i'll think a song means something and then i'll turn out later oh i look at it more deeply oh it doesn't actually mean what i thought it meant it often that's just that brings me to think of a couple of friends that i had in my heart haven't had you know one of them who suffered badly at the hands of illicit drugs and ultimately is no longer with us on this earth and another who 
struggled and struggled and actually has made it through and has turned his life around and is, you know, like 100% now. And so that kind of makes me think that Scourge, on even though the, the, the song isn't about that, it still makes me think about that. Jason, could you choose one out of the however many 30 you added or something? Uh, I picked 15 songs to, to go through okay. today. No, <laughs> I, I actually didn't. Um, I picked I picked one because you said to pick one. Wow. So We're learning. I, hope, I hope that's good. I'm picking the song, but I'm more picking the group, which is Primus. Uh, I think the song that was on there was My Name is Mud, I think, but I mean, the song is, I love the song. It's its kind of a, a nostalgia thing for me. I think, like you said, Andrew, when you hear it, you're like, boom, I'm in like XYZ place for sure. And that's like an album where if it had been a cassette tape, it probably would have been worn out from the number of times it was played. But fortunately, CDs spin forever. So there you go. And it was, I think one of the first CDs I ever got, I believe that was that one that was the, not the plastic case, but it was like the, the cardboard like foldy yep. thing that had yep. the little plastic insert thing. I think that was that album, if I remember right. When they went cheaper. Yeah, I hated those. They never fit on the shelf properly. You'd have all the jewel cases lined up. and then They it, were like thinner, and yeah. they didn't quite, yeah. Then Stupid they kind of REM here. did that to me with one of theirs. Still remember it. I had a whole sequence of REM albums, all the same, and then one stupid cardboard one, yeah. I think it was Around the Sun. Damn, you guys. <laughs> I didn't pick it because of the cardboard. I actually picked it because it was the first band that I ever listened to that. So every it seems like in general, I'm very much generalizing here, but it's like you have a band. There's a lead singer, quote unquote, maybe plays guitar, maybe doesn't. Then there's the you know lead guitar. Then there's kind of the drummer. And then there's kind of everyone else, if there is anyone else, right? That's generally speaking, that's how it kind of goes. Uh, Martin, Martin, just inter. Does that sound a lot like the makeup of you two? I reckon they're preloading the song on everyone's phones right now <laughs> yeah. as we speak. I think if you go to the Hemispheric Views playlist now, it's just going to be overtaken no, with YouTube music. No, it's just a link to that stupid album. Gotcha. So that's kind of your general makeup of a band, right? So the thing that really stood out to me from Primus is it, it kind of flipped the whole thing on its head in that, Les Claypool was the front person, front man for this group, but he was the bass player and everything revolved around his bass playing. I mean, he's insane what he can, the sounds he can produce with a bass guitar. It was the very first time that I ever heard something that was like that, where it wasn't just regular guy playing, you know, kind of the same four chords on a guitar shouting about something which is not bad i listen to plenty of that kind of stuff but this was just like wait how are they allowed to do that can they have <laughs> can they have the bass player be the the main focus of the entire group and not just for one song like that was the group it was him with everyone else and it was just very very different from anything else that ever and that's always stuck stood out to me that that they were able to do that and make it work pretty consistently for a very long time. It wasn't just a, a gimmick. So that's the reason that I picked it. I mean, overall, they had a lot of weird shit they did. They had a lot of great stuff they did, but that that's my my reasoning and I'm, and I'm sticking to it. Well, I want to applaud you on managing to choose one song from what I think was your own playlist in the playlist. Yes. 
success. So out of the ones that I put there, it was very hard to choose, but the song that stands out to me, kind of like what you were saying, Jason, as uh, an influential group or something that sticks in your head in your own personal history, there's a song there called You Sound Like Louis Bedette by a band called The Whitlams. Now, if people have been paying attention to this podcast, on a previous media corner, Andrew brought up an Australian podcast called The Eleventh. Am I right there, Andrew? Yes. Yes, which was about former Prime Minister Gough Whitlam. This mm-hmm. band, The Whitlams, is named after that same former Prime Minister. Synergy is what they call that. Exactly. And <laughs> The Whitlams, look, I don't know what you think of them, Andrew. I don't think you're necessarily familiar with them, Jason. They're very Australian. But this is a band that has been within my family and my listening for years. Like, I remember listening to this band on, like, road trips to Sydney or to see family members and stuff. It was always uh, an album uh, called Eternal Nightcap that was on in the car. And you sound like Louis Bedette is this particular song, which I think has come to form my own taste in music. It's kind of this, I don't know how you'd explain, uh, white man alternative pop rock driven by piano. And it has lyrical density to it. So when you listen to it, it's actually uh, sung by lead vocalist Tim Friedman about a guy who was like this eccentric avant-garde musician who he shared a place with in the Sydney suburb of Tempe. And the whole song is just about drinking and being stupid and living this ridiculous musician's life, which I do not live in the slightest. But I remember as a kid being in the car, hearing them sing about these ridiculous words like, For example, one of the lines is, by the time we get to Marrickville, they'll be masturbating. And I just thought as a kid, what the hell does that mean? Oh, and I learned lots of interesting terms from this song. So if you want to give the Whitlams a try, I might have just put you off. But to me, they're kind of the sound of Sydney or maybe broader New South Wales. And it's so much a part of my psyche. And it's a very odd song and has these funky elements to it. You should give it a try. Truth, beauty, and a picture of you. This is a hemispheric divide type question that I'm curious about. Socks. What kind of socks do you wear? Not brand. I don't care about that. You know, this is more about style of sock. Like you got like the long tube sock. You got the the ankle sock, the no-show sock, you know, whatever, Mm. crew sock. I'm no sock expert. So that's number one kind of stemming from the shoe discussion it got me thinking about socks a little bit right yeah let's get the full sock discussion under our belts don't put socks under your belts that's my first bit of sock advice oh that's fair yeah that's probably that would be weird it's funny you say that because natasha did actually make a belt made entirely out of socks for like a dress-up thing at school once so she did precisely what you said not to do wow but i'm sure no one will know that i've put it on the podcast that's incredible so in answering jason's question okay so growing up i was a real i'm wearing uh just regular white socks with a bit of an ankle thing to them and i looked upon people who wore ankle socks not with a sense of disdain but a sense of befuddlement and confusion i thought who are these people who can go around displaying their ankles so much you know what i mean quick side note when you say ankle sock is this covering the little ankle nubbin or is this like at or below the ankle nubbin this is below the ankle nubbin. So funnily okay. enough, it is an ankleless sock, but we refer to it as showing off the ankle. Got it, yeah. Nowadays, if I'm wearing shoes with shorts, we're talking summertime or something, I will have mm-hmm. 
ankle socks on, right? Generally black ones, they kind of blend in with the black Converse thing that I'll wear. Other than that, if we're talking about underneath jeans or longer pants or something, work or non-work situations, I prefer a sock that covers the ankle. Uh -huh. And while I'm you know, partial to a plain black sock, ever since meeting Natasha, I have diversified and engaged in more fun in my sock life. And right here, right now, I'm wearing blue and orange socks that cover the ankle with little sloths hanging off trees. And I've yeah. actually just pulled this off my foot. And you'll see this in the show notes, people. That's where we want show note pictures. Thank you. Love it. There you go. So that is the sock. And in addition to that, I've got socks with a print of socks on them. So socks on socks. Do those socks have prints of socks? Wow. I don't know if the, the resolution like the, the mm. resolution was good enough or necessarily the yeah. thread count or whatever you call it. Gotcha. But actually, I'm glad you brought that up because I'm going to have to look for socks on socks on socks, like a Dr. Yeah. Seuss situation. You probably want Egyptian cotton at that point. Pixels, mm. pixels per thread, I think is what they, that's the, that's the sock Pixel term. Pixels per thread, yeah, that's I think it. That's what, they, yes. that's what they say in the biz anyway. So to sum up, uh, I'm not really full on about socks. I just enjoy a bit of a variety. And in summertime, I want my ankles to breathe. Yeah, it's good. Good summary. Andrew, what's your, what's your, uh, I know you got socks with like basketballs on them. I'm not particular about socks, but I have, I have views. If I'm doing sport, I like to be wearing a white sock. Predominantly that sport would be basketball. In which case the sock is a short one. So it's like just covering the ankle nubbin. It's not your little tiny socket or sock, sock, whatever those things are called. It's a sports sock that is just above the ankle nubbin. I like that. I like showing my ankle when I play basketball. Mm. It's just a thing. You know, basically, so if you were wearing a high top shoe, you basically wouldn't really see sock. That's a power move. Yeah. Yeah. It says athlete. And they need to be white. Really important that they're white. Now, and then you go into normal, like, you can wear those socks also if you're just wearing casual. You know, you're just wearing shorts and shoes. They, they work well for that. If you're then moving into more like, I'm going to wear pants. I like a black sock. Mm. And I like that sock to have the cushioning on the bottom of it. I want some squishy sock mm. at the bottom. You know, so sort of reinforced ankle toe cap situation, but with extra padding on the on the surface of the foot really important to get that cushioning which is great for about the first six months of a sock's life after that they start to go a bit crusty mm. you know so you need to think about that whether you're going to persevere with the crusty sock and just you know maybe add a little bit of extra fabric softener when you put it through the wash or whether you're going to splurge on new socks mm. now i'm notorious for keeping socks for way beyond their lifespan so i'm not one to really give advice about buying new socks because i am a bit tight <laughs> But those socks should be black and I like them to be sort of, I like to have a relatively thick or like tall ankle holder upper elastic bit. Mm. I hate it when socks fall down. So I want a good rear, but I don't want them so tight that they're cutting off my circulation. Or when you take them off, you're left with the indents around your leg. Mm. You know, that's too tight and that's horrible. I'm always concerned about that. What are the long-term effects of sock indents? Has someone researched this? Mm. It's probably good for deep vein thrombosis. Oh, you think it's a good thing? You're probably right, actually. And oh. I've had vein surgery, so I should know that. Well, they put, mm -hmm. give, the, give you those tight things if you want to travel on a plane, right? So, you know, just get a pair of too tight socks. But no, I'm not one for uh, fancy socks or like, you know, outlandish ones. This shocks me. That's not me. I do actually have a few pairs of them that somebody gave to me, but... As well as them being outlandish, and that's sort of a challenge already, they're also too small. And I think that's 
I don't think they really make a lot of outlandish socks in a jumbo size. Jason, I think the thing here is that in the professional corporate world in which Andrew is engaging, the only room for creative expression is a tie. That's why I was shocked. I, th- I thought you would be like, I know whenever I used to wear the S word in previous employment situations, I would always have some kind of dumb socks on just as like kind of a, it's like a, a metaphor for a middle finger for, for the suit. You know, it's like, yeah, mm. I'm wearing this idiot thing, but look at my socks that have like monkeys holding bananas in suggestive ways or something. <laughs> if you're going to embrace it, embrace it. You know, if you're going to be corporate and wear something nice, Mm-mm. go fully nice. Don't muck around with silly socks. Jason and I don't really enjoy wearing suits. You like wearing a suit. See, he likes a suit. I wore a suit the other day. It's been a long time since I've worn a suit. I had, to be honest, I had to squeeze myself into these suits. I've packed on a few kilos. I've actually got two new suits on the way. I ordered, I got some new suits made a couple of weeks ago. So, made? Was this on the yacht while you were on the phone to George Clooney? Or? Buy off the rack. <laughs> no, 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 wait. No, no, wait. You had, you paid for the tailor to come on the boat and they also enjoyed the hors d'oeuvres. Yeah. <laughs> When does Jenkins deliver the suits? So actually, I got a call from the suit the suit company today. Uh, they should be with me for a fitting next week, late next week. Oh, do you get to meet with the guy that's got the little measuring tape around his around his neck, and he's got the uh, little chalk thing and all that crap? Yeah, yeah, do all that. Wow, gosh. Was his name Niles or Jeeves or something? No, no, no. Let's. No, no. I mean, when you're at, when you're at the, when you're at that level of your life, don't know Andrew, you don't is. refer to people. You don't refer to people by their name. They're yeah. simply Taylor, exactly, <laughs> or underling. Yeah, yeah. He would never acknowledge him with a name. That's so More beneath. More needed. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting my new suits. Right, because when I was wearing this suit last week, I was like, oh, it's a bit tight. Jeez, it feels good. It's not often you have to wear a suit and tie and anything anymore, but for the particular purpose that I was out out in the town for, you need a suit. Apart from the tie, just feeling good, everything felt good, had the cufflinks, whole bit. Do you know what felt super good? Taking it all off. No, black oh. socks. I knew I had black socks. There was no silliness about that outfit. Business, head to toe. Wow, power move. Okay. So, Jason, you're not into... Black socks. You wanna, you wanna, you know, challenge the system. I would go and sit next to Andrew, and then put my leg. I would like cross my leg in such a way that the sock would show, and it just says like F- "you" on it or something. <laughs> now, would this be your inside sock or your outside sock? Because you know, we I would know have it just socks. on the inside, facing just so you could see it and no one else, just as a little jab. <laughs> and then I would immediately leave because I do not belong wherever you are wearing a suit, for sure. I think you'd fit right in. Wow. Okay. I'm a little thrown off by you not having fun. I thought for sure you were going to have a whole collection of fun socks, but I guess not. Do I look like a fun person to you? Not anymore. You did. (laughs) But now it's like, okay. I I don't know why you're not wearing a suit to record, to be perfectly honest. I thought you'd be like, oh, I'll be there in five, just putting, you know, getting the suit measured. (laughs) When I get the new one, I'll wear it to my, I'll wear it to the next podcast. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. I love a fun sock, unlike some people. I do wear Bombas socks. Sponsor. What are Bombas socks? Below the nubbin. Below? 
I don't know. Maybe that's not a, that's like a sponsor on like so many podcasts here in the US, that, that sock company. I don't know if you guys have ever can, heard Can of I it. be clear though? Would you wear socks below the ankle nubbin as you call it under long pants? Because that's what freaks me out. I don't want Boom. my ankle rubbing bare against here you inside go. The, the jeans. Pants. Yeah. Do not dare touch my ankle nubbin. Thank you. It's weird. It is cringe worthy <laughs> to have a pant touch a nubbin. Mm-mm. Don't don't do that. No shorts. You get the below the nubbin socks. Pretty easy. Pretty standard. Anything that's not a short is a long sock, mid calf probably type of thing. Normal sock. Yeah. So you don't wear the knee. You don't wear knee highs, and then you know, folded. No. You know. The no, no, no. I've got no sock that is that tall. Under his tunic. Is that what you're <laughs> suggesting? The only problem with the with the ankle socks is there's really nothing worse than a sock slipping down underneath the heel in a shoe. That is one of the worst things that could happen. But it's something you have to deal with sometimes. And that is where the new sock, old sock thing comes into play. Because when they start wearing out, the slippage rate increases pretty exponentially as that sock gets older. So that becomes an issue. In my younger years of just waste everything i at one point thought that it might be an idea to live the because there's okay so there's nothing worse than a sock going under the shoe there's nothing better than a brand new pair of socks fresh out of the package that is just heaven right there so at one point i thought what if every day was new sock day huh you bought new socks for every day you just got the money for that kind i didn't actually do it i didn't actually do it but the, the thought crossed my mind, if you could have new socks every day, it could change your life. You could be having the worst day ever, but you have you have new socks, so it's like magically fixed. I didn't do it. That's super wasteful. But, you know, if there's like an alternate universe that I'm in right now, I might be wearing new socks every day and that might be okay. I got a question. How do you feel about making sure that your socks match? That's a good question. I was going to ask you, do you ever wear mismatched socks? I can't do it. I would say no. I don't think that. Only on accident. It would be a complete oversight. Um, but wouldn't that, that be that your ultimate happen. protest, Jason? To wear colorful mm. socks that don't match under a suit? Just I, to say, you know what, I really don't care. I mean, at that point, I might as well just start burning buildings down, right? Because at, at that point, they're basically the Escalated. same thing. Yeah. I mean, you're going from... I'm I'm sticking it to the suit guy over here to now I'm just burning this whole building down because it's just complete anarchy at that point. I've been known to <laughs> realize that there's a hole at the toe and simply say, well, that's it was on the left foot. That's not going on the right foot. Problem solved. So once you've got a hole on each side, then you, you say then goodbye. Then they're dead, yeah, yeah. But if they're still comfortable, otherwise good. <laughs> In Toyota news, mm. I got a message from the Toyota dealership. My car has now been manufactured. Ah, it's come off the line. It's expected in the uh, late July shipment. Is this stage six of lean manufacturing? Oh, I'll tell you what, I'm starting. To, I'm starting to have my doubts about lean manufacturing. <laughs> Seems to be taking an awful long bloody time to get a car. Here. It sure looked good on paper. <laughs> Thank you.
Ciao, hemispheric views, guys. This is for your fun. It's a me, Mario.